Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you. Well, if you would, uh, would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 2, verse 1, if you have one. Matthew 2, verse 1. That's what we're going to be starting in today. The title of today's message is Jesus is King. This is the whole point of the Gospel of Matthew. There are four Gospels, you know, that tell an account of Jesus. And so we see Jesus' life from four different angles, four different lenses. If you were thinking of a, a movie screen or a movie, you would have a close-up lens, right? A, a widescreen lens, maybe an action shot lens. There are different lenses so that we can see Jesus more completely. The authors had four different reasons for writing their accounts. Matthew is writing to the Jewish people to help them see that Jesus is king and that God is on a mission. And I'm hoping that by the end of the message, each and every one of us would be at a place where we don't just recognize that Jesus is king, but that we would come to the place where we say, you are king, you are my king, right? And order our lives around that. Matthew 2, beginning at verse 1 After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Here it is. The wise men didn't exactly know what they were seeing, what was exactly going on, right? They hadn't seen anything like this before. They followed this star here, having heard that there was this king, king of the Jews, being born. But they came to worship him. They came to bow down to him. And immediately, I'm wondering, is that why we're here today? Is that what this season is about to us, are, are we here together in this season to worship a king? Verse 3, when King Herod, this is another king in the story, heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. 
Lord, I pray that we would recognize what an amazing gift it is and that we would value it. Lord, nobody wants to hear a, a person up here speaking. We want to hear directly from you. Holy Spirit, you have your right of way. Speak to our hearts. Soften them so that we can receive what you have to say. Open our eyes. Open our ears. and Let us realize what this is about. Lord, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. We don't know a lot about the wise men. We usually see three of them depicted in uh, the manger scenes, right, in our houses. But they weren't at the manger, right? We know this because it says that they came to the house where he was sometime later. By this time, Jesus is a little bit older. How old? We don't exactly know. We also don't know exactly how many there were. We typically say three because of the three different gifts that were given. But all we know is that there were more than one because it says that the magi were there, plural. We also can guess that it was quite a few, though, because it causes a stir in Jerusalem. It draws the attention of this king Herod. And their coming and their words caused him and Jerusalem to be troubled. Three probably wouldn't be able to do that, but a large crowd, a large caravan would. We don't know exactly where they came from. We know it was from the east. The best explanation that I've read is from Babylon. Was it a star that they were following or some conjunction of the heavenly bodies? I'm not sure either. It could have been just have been a simply a, a miracle of God that they followed. There's a lot of details that we aren't quite sure of when it comes to them. What we de- do see, though, teaches us something very important about Jesus, something that God wants us to see. And that fact is simply that he is king. It could have been uh, just something that they were looking for, but there was something so much more that they found, and I hope we find that today. If we go back to Matthew 1, we get to see the genealogy of Jesus. Beginning at verse 1, it says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And it keeps going on to verse 6, and Jesse the father of King David. And here's where the king tie-in starts. And, And we see it in verse 16. And Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah, or maybe Christ in your Bible. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, King David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah, the Christ. So what is Matthew doing? He's taking the Jewish listener on a journey from Abraham all the way to Jesus, and he emphasizes King David in the mix because the prophecy says that the baby will be born in Bethlehem, but that he will come from the line of King David, and he will sit on that throne So it's really an insider story of the Jewish people that Matthew is conveying. In Luke's gospel, it's a very different lens, right? We've been looking at that the previous weeks. It's a personal story where we peer into the lives of Mary and Joseph or or Zechariah and Elizabeth. But Matthew opens it up beyond that, beyond the personal, and shows us the grandeur 
Because not long after Jesus was born, here come these wise men, these foreigners from the east that aren't Jews. They're from another land, seemingly another culture. And that's part of the really interesting thing that we see with Matthew's account and what he's showing us. Because this isn't a Jewish story, right? This is a global story. Because yes, he is king of the Jews, but he also has a kingdom that reaches far beyond that far beyond the wise men to the east. After all, this is a story for the world. An angel says, it's good news of great joy for all people. I said the best explanation that I've read seems to show these wise men coming from Babylon, modern-day Iraq. They probably took over a month to, to walk there or to use camels to get there. They would have gone straight west through Syria and Damascus and then south to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. These wise men, maybe from Baghdad, are seeking a king in a podunk town of Bethlehem. They say, we've come to worship him. I want us to see the globalness of this. I want us to be reminded that this isn't just an American story or a story for America, right? I want us to be reminded that it's good news of great joy for all people. The second thing I see is, uh, is the message of Christ's birth is that Jesus is king, right? He's not a king because he was born into a, a line of kings, And when the king above him passes on, then he will take the throne and actually then he will become a king. No, he was born a king. His earthly father, a carpenter. But his heavenly father is Yahweh. And at the moment he was born and laid in that manger, he was king. The scriptures tell us the magi came to see the one who had been born a king. No one is born king. Normally, right? You can be born into lines and and born into the lineage of a king, but no one is born a king. But that's what Matthew shows us. The third thing that we see is that this king was fiercely opposed by the darkness. The moment that Jesus was born, we talked about this last week. There's a buzz going through heaven. Where is Jesus? Why is he not with the Father, right? What's going on? There's an announcement that comes. The angels didn't fully understand it. We looked at the scripture that showed us that. And even after they saw this, even after they they experienced this, it tells us that they still long to look into such things. Why would Jesus lay down all his status? Why would Jesus lay down his equality with God and be clothed in flesh in the most humble way to try and save a humanity who had rejected him? They didn't fully understand God's pursuit to repair the relationship with mankind at such great cost. But even more than the angels, right? Once Jesus entered into humanity, all of hell began to stir. And in an even greater way, wondering what was going on. What was God doing, sending this king into this world They had won, right? The darkness had won. Mankind had rejected God. The relationship was broken. Instantly, there was an intense opposition to this birth. 
When we were going through the book of Revelation about a year ago, we saw that God took John and gave him a, a glimpse into this moment in chapter 12. And using apocalyptic images, John sees and records what is happening. He says there's a great sign that appeared in heaven. And a woman clothed with the sun was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. And there was an enormous red dragon, right, that appeared and it stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it could devour the child. She gives birth to a son who will rule the nations. He's a king. And that child was snatched up away before the dragon could get him. Do you remember that? John got to see a Lord of the Rings type version of Christmas. In reality, though, this is what it looked like. King Herod said he wanted to come and worship this king, which was obviously a lie. He was trying to play the wise men. King Herod was all all about preserving his lineages, his throne, his kingdom, his rule, his reign. Herod been in power, been put in power by Rome in this area of Judea and wanted to keep it at all costs. You see, he even killed his own sons, some of them, to keep the throne. He even killed his favorite wife to keep it. King Herod was a powerful and wicked king, a tyrant. And as soon as he hears about the star that led people from the east, he gathered all the Jewish scholars, all the all the the learned people, and tried to figure out what this meant. He questioned them repeatedly to find out the hour and the day that all this was happening, where it was happening. And he tells the Magi, go find him. Go find this king and report back to me so that I can come and bow down to him. Of course, they didn't report back. They had been warned. So Herod did what Herod did. He took matters into his own hands. And he did the math, and he had every baby born in this region under the age of two killed to try and prevent this king from taking his throne away. Brutally, right? In its most evil way. And and what it shows us is that there was an intense opposition from the darkness to the kingship, to the kingdom of Christ. That dragon tried to devour him. The enemy tried to prevent the king from coming, but the king was born anyway and taken away. If only he knew who this king really was, he would have known there was no stopping him. There was a speaker at a campus who gave a message on on Jesus, and he opened it up for people to ask questions. And there was one of the students who posed a really good question. I, I think maybe there was a bit of scorn and a, a, a bit of cynicism in the question, but in reality, it was a good one. The student asked, how is it possible that one man suffering on a cross for a few hours could somehow mediate all the evil, all the darkness, all the sinfulness of all the billions of people who have lived and will ever live on planet Earth? It seems a little preposterous that one man could somehow mediate all that. Good question, right? The speaker responded, well, I'd just ask you one question. Who was this man? I pray in our hearts today that all of us ask ourselves that question because the answer will direct our paths.
direct our lives right. Who was this man? Because this, this, if this man is God in human flesh, right? If this man is sent from heaven, if this man was foretold of for hundreds of years before, if this man was perfect, if this man was so worthy at his birth that people from other nations came to bring him gold, frankincense, and myrrh and bow down and worship him. Well, that's not just a man. We've never been to a baby shower with gifts like that, right, Adavi? We never got gifts like that. I don't know about you, but we got diapers and onesies at our baby showers. We've never been to one that people bought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Nobody bowed down to our kids, right? These would be strange gifts for a child, but not a king, not the savior of the world. The myrrh foreshadowed his death and burial, burial as a king. The incense symbolized the worship and the fragrance of this king. The gold, that just cemented it, that he was a king. This is the king, the Christ, the Savior, and they bowed down in worship to him. Who is this man? He is King Jesus, the one who through him all things have come into being, right? That's what the Gospel of John tells us. And in this instance, the darkness sensed this and tried to snuff him out. But not today, Satan. This little baby has to grow up. This baby has to become strong so that he can utter the words, not my will be done, but your will be done. And then he can lay down his life. Herod tried. The enemy tried. But it wasn't a contest until it was his time. There was no power play with Rome. God directs nations, and he said it wasn't the time. And the first ever sermon preached that's recorded in Acts after the Holy Spirit came and filled the followers of Jesus, we see a great statement on the sovereignty of God. I know it can't explain in our hearts about this horrible act that happened with all these kids. I can't imagine what families went through during this time, seeing soldiers come in and create, commit this evil. But my friends, it's a mirror of what we're living in today. We live in an age where evil men do whatever they have to, whatever they want to, to hold on to their power. We live in an age where evil is called good and good is called evil. We live in an age where there is suffering on every side of us. We have kids cutting themselves. We have people right and left committing suicide. People look to every substance to escape. Why is that? Because there's an enemy. Because there's a brokenness, right? Because there's an opposition to the person, to the kingship of Jesus Christ. Our own sinful nature calls us into that. Calls us away from him. Calls us away from his kingship. Our own sinful choices have put us all on a broken planet. And on this broken planet, make no mistake, there is an enemy. There is evil at work. But God is greater than it all. God has conquered the enemy's plans. A king was born. A savior. And through him, sin and death, right, 
was conquered. And that, my friends, is what we celebrate at this time of year. The start of that, right? It's not boring. It's not some Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby, baby Jesus type thing that we're looking at. Christmas is the announcement of the birth of a king, the king. Who is this man? He is King Jesus. He is the savior of the world. And ever since we rejected God, there was a plan that was put into place to bring us back, a very costly plan. Peter preached this in Acts 2, 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. The plan was in place right from from the moment that we rejected God. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. The fourth thing that God wants to see in this text about this king is that every knee will bow. Back to Matthew 2.11, on coming to the house, they saw this child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. You know, Daniel was taken to Babylon along with a lot of the best and brightest of Israel when they were conquered. Some returned to Jerusalem, but some stayed in Babylon. And I think that's how the message came for these wise men. I believe there was a a word that reached these wise men, maybe a prophecy about a child directly to them, this Messiah, maybe a prophecy about this king that somehow stirred them. It was something that brought them all the way from the east to Bethlehem and to this house where they came and they saw this baby. Notice they didn't just say, though, wow, when they came, right? Wow, this is amazing. They didn't take some pictures. They didn't get a selfie with this baby. They didn't rub his belly. Their wonder turned to worship. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Who is this man? Paul said of this baby in Philippians 2 verse 6, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Who is this man? He's King Jesus, right? He is the King of kings, the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah. And this is the season that we remember he came to this earth and we celebrate his birth. This long 
journey brings these wise men to Jesus. And that's still true today. Wise men and wise women still seek him. And when they hear his name, the wise bow down and worship him. At the end of everything, that's where we will all be. Knees bent, every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is glory to the glory of God the Father, right? I noticed something in studying this text that I'd never seen before. When the wise men came and told Herod why they had come to find this King of the Jews, right? The wise men went and searched for him. The Jews didn't. They stayed there. Here's a prophecy about their king, and they were too busy, too preoccupied to search for him. The Gentiles, the non-believers, they're the ones looking for him, right? Not the religious people. The wise men came and they bowed down to him. The Jews, too busy. I imagine there are people listening right now that have never bowed down to Jesus. I'm sure there are people that have been raised in the church, come to church, maybe people who follow all the rituals, maybe they cross themselves, right? They pray, they give, but they've never bowed down in worship and surrendered their lives to him in submission to the king of kings. You have to know this king does not share his throne with anyone. And the only way you can follow this king is if you surrender your life to him and order your life around him. What would that look like? Who is this man if he is king, if he is the savior of the world? Are you doing that? Have you bowed down to him? Have you surrendered it all to him? Is he king? If he is, what does that mean for your life? What should be my response? My, my response, and I hope this is your response, is that you come to the place where you recognize this king of kings, right? And say, I will bow down, and I will worship him, and I will do whatever he calls me to do. Maybe you're asking, why should I bow down, though? Because of some threat? That somewhere in, at the end of time we'll be made to bow down and call him king? I, I don't care about that. I don't need to know about that. No thanks. No, I don't bow down because of the threat. Right? It's true. You need to know that's what will happen, whether you reject him or you don't. But I bow down because I did reject him. And he's still reached out for me. I scorned him. I mocked him. And he still laid down his life for me. You can count my hands in there, nailing him to that cross. And he said of me, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Am I going to follow God because I'm scared to go into hell if I'm scared that he's going to make me bow down? 
No. I follow my Savior, my King, because He's what He's done for me. He's flipped my life upside down. He's given me purpose. He's given me a calling to reach other people with the good news that there is a Savior that loves them, that died for Him, that wants to give them life to the fullest. This, this life without Jesus Christ is worthless. There's no meaning to it. It's empty. But when you find Christ and you bow down to him, that's where it gets exciting. That's where you find purpose. That's where you find peace. Is your life going to be perfect? Are all the storms going to go away? Heck no. But that's the place where you're rooted in with the king of kings. And we're standing with the king of kings, all the storms, they don't bother you because you've got him to cling to him to lean on. I want to invite you into this season to remember that. I want to invite you in. If you've never been in church, you don't come to church. To just say, who is this, who is this man? And explore that. You don't got a church. You can come and hear about him more through us. You can grab one of us and we'll gladly tell you about them, about him and what that means. And if God's tugging on your heart to give your life to him, I pray that you do. I pray that you surrender everything and follow him. I pray that you ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Who is this man? I hope today is Christmas all over again for you. I hope for somebody there's a star appearing in your life. And God's reaching out to you and drawing you nearer to him. And I pray you examine that. I pray for some of you who already know that, though, that you get your life right, back on track, that you surrender everything to him, especially you dads. That's your responsibility with your kids to lead them on this path. Take that seriously. Be involved in your kids, right? You need somebody to help you to do that. There's a church family that will gladly do that with you. I know how difficult it is to raise kids, especially in this day and time. But that's what we're called to. Would you stand with me? My friends, Christ has been born. And I'm here to celebrate the birth of a king the Savior of the world, and I hope you know him. His name is Jesus. Amen? He is the man this season is about. Don't focus in on things that don't matter, like money and gifts. Focus in on what's truly important. Amen? Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we acknowledge that Jesus is king. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us would surrender our lives right now to you. I pray that we would accept you as our Savior. I pray that we would come to you and say, man, I've got nothing to bring to you. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. Save me. Become king of my life. Direct my path. Show me what I should be doing. Give me a purpose in this life because this life is just nothingness. 
It's just filled with temporary highs. Lord, I need your peace. I need your wholeness. Lord, come into my life. Lord, we love you and we give you praise for the cost that you paid to redeem us. We remember that you came today and that you were born and that you were born a king. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.